When I graduated from college, I went and moved to Dallas and I did this thing called a residency program, which is just this really nice way of saying I did an internship for about a year. And near the end of that internship, I started looking for a job because I realized it wasn't really where I was supposed to be. And so I'm looking at different job opportunities and where the Lord might be taking me. And in this season, uh, I was actually between uh, vertical, I was observing vertical, praying whether or not, like trying to decide whether or not I should come to work for Vertical. And there was this other place I was considering to go work for, this camp in Missouri. And so I was, uh, uh, you know, kind of going through the interview process to possibly be a director of a camp. Anyways, uh, a girlfriend of mine and I both were interviewing with this camp in Missouri. And so we just, we were flying up to Missouri one time uh, together and we're going through TSA. And um, I don't know if you've ever been through, been on an airplane, probably most of you have been, but you know, there's certain things that you can't bring in your backpack. And um, so of course we get through TSA and they're like, sir, you're going to have to come with me. And I'm like, great. At this point, I'm like, I have terrible friends. Like anything could be in my backpack. Nothing would be a surprise at this point. Not to mention there's plenty of things that I, um, like I own knives, I own bullets. I'm like, what are the, what's the worst case scenario here? Am I going to go to jail? That's kind of what I'm thinking. And so they kind of pull me aside. And this girlfriend that's with me is like just dying. She's like, of course, this would happen to Dale. This this would only happen to Dale. I'm like, shut up. Um, You have to like be serious in front of these people. And, And luckily the TSA agent was very gracious. And she was like, sir, do you know the rules of, you know, and regulations? You can't bring liquids into this. And I'm like, Yes, I know that. I think it's a dumb rule, first of all, but I understand that there's rules. And so we're kind of having this conversation, and as we're having this conversation, she kind of pauses, and she realizes that there is a mistake. And this is what she realized, and she's going through my backpack, she's pulling all these things out, and she's trying to figure out where this liquid is. She said, there's this liquid in your bag, and she can't find it. And all of a sudden, what she does is she pulls this thing out. She pulls this out of my bag, and she says, sir, there's been a misunderstanding. And I was like, "Uh, where are you going with this? She said, sometimes when these things, the Bible, go through an x-ray machine, the density of the Bible, because of how many pages there are and because of how thick it is, because of how dense it is, it has the appearance of a liquid. I looked that lady dead in the eyes, and I said, one day I'm going to use that in a sermon illustration. (laughs) And here we are tonight. We're talking about God's word. We're talking about how important it is, how dense it is. That's amazing. And it might even be part of the reason why I'm here. That story happened. I was like, I can't work at a kid's camp. I need to get on a stage. Somebody needs to hear that story because I am that random guy that that happens to. Like, crazy story, right? But that's why we're here tonight. We're going to talk about the cheesy statement. We're in this series called Say Cheese. We talk about cheesy things that have a lot of depth to them and that are true. And the cheesy statement that we're going to talk about tonight is that truth is the greatest treasure. That this thing that couldn't get through the x-ray machine is the greatest treasure that we have. Truth is the greatest treasure. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the importance of God's word and, and, and we're going to be in Psalm 19. If you want to open your Bibles and turn there, it will also be on the screen. But what I mean when I say truth, I just want to start off with this this word truth. 
Uh, When I say truth tonight, I'm talking about God's word. What we're going to see in Psalm 19 is that God's word calls itself true. And that's why I use the word truth. And I just want you to know that you should pay attention tonight because if we don't view God's word as our greatest treasure, if we don't have that view of God's word, then we won't treat it as our greatest treasure. And this will in turn affect our spiritual health in a lot of ways. And it, it will hurt our hope and our, um, of being free, of living right with the Lord. The, the Bible is a gift. It's the greatest treasure and has immeasurable impact on our lives. And that's what we're going to see tonight. So that's what we're going to focus on as we open up Psalm 19. What you need to know about Psalm 19 is this. David is writing this psalm, and he spends the first six verses talking about how uh, God reveals himself through nature. Did anyone see the sunset tonight? Anyone? Okay, I was the only one. Cool. Okay, three of you. Guys, you did, it was beautiful, okay? I know that sounds weird. But uh, Chambers like, and I both just sat and marveled at it as we, were, um, as we were walking into the track stadium earlier tonight. We're like, man, it's not even like, oh, this is, I need to kill that rabbit. Boom, rabbit trail done. <laughs> David spends the first six verses talking about how the heavens proclaiming the handiwork of God and how God has revealed himself through nature Anyways, let's keep going. Uh, and what we're going to focus on is, is what David shows us, uh, that God reveals himself through Scripture. And that's where we're going to start in Psalm 19, verse 7. We're going to go all the way through 14, but we're going to do 7 through 9 first. Let's, let's read. It says this. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Again, we see at the very end of this sentence, the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. That's where we get our word truth tonight. And that's where, that brings us to our first point. Tonight, our first point is this, that truth has no substitute. Truth has no substitute. I want you to look at verses 7 through 9 with me, and I want you to notice that it's describing different characteristics of God's word. It calls it the law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, the precepts of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord. These are all different descriptions of God's word, but then it ha- there's more descriptions of, of about God's word of of the characteristics. And let's just look at what they say. Is there anything in our lives that we can describe as perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true? Is there anything in this world that is perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true? Truth has no substitute. What I love, this is just the characteristics, but there's more here in these verses. It talks about not just the characteristics of God, God's word. It also talks about what it does to us, the change that occurs. Do you know anything that can revive the soul, that can make wise the simple, that can rejoice the heart, that can enlighten eyes? Sounds kind of weird. Some of this is like, kind of sounds a little churchy, but the reality is like, we don't, we don't have anything that we could, we could say does these things. Do you know anything that can endure forever? Do you know anything that's righteous altogether? Just happened to rhyme? It's God's word. 
Our first point is that truth has no substitute. And what we see here is that there's great power. It's perfect. It's sure. It's right. It's pure. It's clean. It's true. And it's also, so it's pure and it's powerful. And what I want you to know is that nothing on this earth is as pure and as powerful as truth, as God's word. And the reason why I think it's important to highlight this first and foremost tonight is because this goes in direct opposition of most of the things that were taught in the classroom at Baylor University. I'm just going to tell you from my own experience, I was taught a lot of what not to trust in the Bible. Most of, I, like most of what was focused on was things that would give me reason to distrust that there is no substitute for truth. I feel like all I learned was that there were holes to be poked all over the Bible. And for some, that might be a good thing for us to realize, that we need to have a right understanding. of, of, of We need to be able to communicate with people about ways that people tend to try to poke holes in truth. That might be a good thing for some of us, but the reality is when I heard things like, the whole Old Testament is folklore, or everything is allegory, the whole Bible itself is an allegory, I'm like, um, excuse me. I kind of disagree, and and it made it hard, and and so that's why I focus tonight. I'm not here to make a statement about inerrancy and have to teach everyone theology. Like, that's not what I'm here for. What I'm here to do is simply help us realize that God's word is trustworthy. It's trustworthy, and it's not just trustworthy, but it's also the purest and most powerful thing that we have on this earth. Truth has no substitute. And the reason why I also want to focus on truth having no substitute is because so many of us love things like vertical, things like church on a Sunday morning, love uh, Desiring God, the Gospel Coalition, podcasts. You love your Matt Chandler. You love your JP, the porch. You love your hometown pastor and listening to them. You love these things. And I don't just say you love these things. I also love these things. But the reality is that anything spiritual that isn't the Bible is simply a supplement. Anything spiritual that isn't the Bible is simply a supplement. It is not a substitute for God's word. Truth has no substitute. This weekend I was in Dallas with my friend Johnny. Y'all remember Johnny from last week? If you were here last week, he's the one that cheated. He's the one that clicked in, cheated. Yes, that defined him. Anyways. It's a joke. If you were here last week, those jokes aren't funny. But anyways, um, I'm in Dallas with my friend Johnny, and my, uh, my friend Johnny's family keeps a stash of Cliff Bars. They're amazing. Who likes Cliff Bars? Okay, good. You are my kind of people. So I'm, every time I'm there, I, I'm like grabbing a few Cliff Bars. I'm just going to confess, I usually take more than I need. But I, it kind of gets me through the next week or two until I end up back in Dallas. Let's just be honest, okay? And uh, so this is what happens. And I love Cliff Bars. I think they're one of God's greatest gifts to mankind. But the problem with Cliff Bars is that they weren't meant to be the main substance that we eat each and every day. They're simply a supplement. They're not a substitute for our diet. They're a supplement. And you're like, of course, duh, Dale, Cliff Bars. And I'm like, no, but seriously, that's usually the way that we treat our time with Jesus. We're looking to all the other places but the Bible itself. And quite frankly, 
vertical is one of those places. They were like, oh, I'll just go to vertical, and that'll be my dose of the Bible for the week. It can be a distraction. It can, it, but we need to understand that truth has no substitute. And cliff bars are awesome, okay? Let's keep going. That's our first point tonight is that truth has no substitute. Let's keep reading God's word starting in verse 10. Let's pick up where we left off. David says this, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned and keeping them there is great reward. So what this is saying is, is it's talking about God's word. We're supposed to desire God's words more than gold. We're supposed to desire God's more or God's word itself is sweeter than honey on a honeycomb. And let me just let's just take this historically. What we're looking at here is that David is saying that gold is the most valuable thing that they had at this time. And what David is saying is that this these words, his words are more valuable than the most valuable thing that they had at that time. And then he goes on to say, God's word is sweeter than the sweetest thing that they had at the time. Honey and gold were like the two highest class things that you could have. Some of you are like, That's, uh, we're beyond those times. Like, right, you know, we have Pokios now. Like, things are way better. <laughs> things are looking way up. I know, I know. But at this time, let's just think about when David was writing this. He was saying, we're supposed to desire it more than the most valuable thing. And we're supposed to desire it more than any sweet it should be sweeter than anything to our souls. That's what David is describing as, as it, the word. And that's where we get our cheesy truth tonight. That truth is the greatest treasure. We're meant to desire it more than the most valuable thing. It's the greatest treasure that we have. Because truth is meant to be desired more than anything that this world has to offer. Truth is meant to be desired more than anything that this world has to offer. And the reason why it's important for us to note, I've kind of already said this, that God's word is our greatest treasure, or truth is our greatest treasure. The reason why it's so important is because the way we view it changes the way that we use it. That's the way life is. If we have a high view of something, it tends to get our time. Let's just, let's just talk about this for a, a second. I want to help you all understand this as college students. Um, you guys don't have that much money. Am I right? Amen. Okay. So we can all agree on that. What you all do have, though, what your greatest asset at this point in life is, most likely, is your time. And what you do in life is you tend to put your assets, your, your value, you, you tend to take things that you value and you give your, your time to it. And so why it's important for us to understand that God's word is our greatest treasure or that truth is our greatest treasure is because if that's really the case, then therefore our time should be given to it. That's why it's so important for us to understand that God's word is our greatest treasure. I want you to ask yourself the question tonight. Would you rather have $100,000 or this would you rather have a million dollars or would you pick this if you 
could only have one, which would you choose? <laughs> it's <a> crazy question. <laughs> I hate it because it's hard. But here's the reality. This is a checkbook. You probably don't know what this is. <laughs> it's what your parents pay bills with <laughs> if they don't do online banking. <laughs> this is a checkbook. There is no number that you could write on this blank check that should keep you from picking this. There's no number. And I'm just going to be honest with you. Like This question really hits home for me. I'm like, man, I, could, I feel like I could do a lot of good for the kingdom with one million bucks, right? But if I had to choose between the two, if I could only have one, more to be desired than gold. Truth is our greatest treasure. Let's keep going. Verse 12 is where we are. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So David's response to God's revelation through scripture is that of humility. He starts to look inward and, and he's kind of saying, Lord, keep me from sin. Lord, you're, you're far greater. You're worth it. And, and then he kind of ends with verse 14. I love this verse. I kind of want to focus on it right now. It's let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. This word acceptable right here, we're going to have a little Bible study time. The, the word acceptable is, is used a lot in the Old Testament when it comes to sacrifice. And you're like, sacrifice? What is that? It's when they killed animals in order to cleanse, uh, in order to cleanse sin. That's, the sacrificial system is what the Old Testament um, needed and used in order to be purified from sin. And so what David is saying is in light of God's word... It changes him. He has this response of humility to this point where he's like, Lord, I give my words and the meditations of my heart as a sacrifice. And Lord, I'm asking that they would be pleasing to you. And what I love about this, this what this points out to us is, is this third point that truth changes our hearts. God's word changes our hearts. It changes the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts. Romans 12, 2 says, we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's what truth can do. That's what spending time with Jesus can do. And the reason why this all makes sense and why this all is so important, it, it, it really points to one thing. All of these things, even though it's in the Old Testament, points to the fact that Jesus is the person of truth because there is no sacrifice that is acceptable other than the person of Jesus, the perfect body of Jesus that died on the cross for you and I's sins. Jesus said of himself that he, was the, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through him. John 14, 6. What Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 says is that long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. He spoke through prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son who he appointed heir of all things through whom all things are created. 
Jesus is the person of truth. He is the word that has become flesh. He has made his dwelling among us. Jesus was the ultimate substitute, as I said, on the cross for our sins, on our behalf. Jesus is the greatest treasure. Truth is the greatest treasure because Jesus is the person of truth. It's kind of interchangeable. Jesus came to save sinners and change our hearts and give us life, not just make us better people or good people. He came to give us life, change our hearts. So, in summary, truth has no substitute. Truth is the greatest treasure. Truth changes our hearts, but Jesus is all those things. He's the person of truth, and he's the way, the truth, and the life. But this last point, that truth changes our heart, it points us to the need that we have to spend time in his word. Spend time with Jesus, that he can change us as we spend time with him each and every day. But what I want you to know is one of my friends used to describe it this way. It's not just about knowing about Jesus. It's not about information and just reading the Bible. It's about intimacy. Here's how I want to illustrate this. I want to tell you about my friend Chambers Swigger. How many of you know Chambers Swigger? A few of you. Okay, perfect. That's, that's a perfect thing. So a few of you know Chambers Swigger. I want to tell you a little bit about Chambers Swigger. Chambers is one of my friends. Chambers went to Baylor University. There's a picture of him. At Baylor, this is him with our friend Rick in the middle. I'm wearing a Baylor shirt, so I figured it'd be appropriate since he went to Baylor University. Chambers majored in corporate communications. These are the things you need to know about Chambers. Chambers went to Houston Christian High School. Here's another picture of Chambers in high school. He's sitting down on a chair. I have a backwards hat on and look like an idiot. (laughs) Chambers and I went to high school together. Chambers was also the captain of the football team. That's something I want you to know about Chambers. Chambers went to First Baptist Church. Here's a picture of Chambers serving at First Baptist Church's VBS while we're dancing like idiots, and he's wearing a headband. Like, back in those days, it was cool, I guess. Chambers went to middle school, or we went to church at Houston's First Baptist Church, but Chambers also went to First Baptist Academy, okay? First Baptist Academy. Here's a fun fact. Chambers and I went to all of these schools together, and this is actually what we looked like when we went to school together in middle school. There's each of us. Okay, that's us in middle school. I peaked in middle school. I don't know about y'all. You think I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. That was like the day I was actually good at sports. Anyways, so here's the deal. Those are all, those are all things about Chamber Swigger. But the reality was only a certain amount of you raised your hand when I said, how many of you actually know who Chambers is? There's only a small portion of you. All of us now know a bunch of information about Chambers He also works for Vertical Ministries. He's the associate director of Vertical Ministries, one of the greatest gifts to the ministry. That's beside the point. We all know a lot of information about Chambers. That's not going to necessarily change us. Information doesn't change us. It's intimacy that changes us. When we have uh, intimacy with the person of Jesus Christ, that is the truth that changes hearts. It's not just knowing information. It's not just getting an A in Christian scriptures. Just fun fact, I got a C plus, okay? And I'm standing before you. I'm fine. <laughs> Some of you are like, I'm done listening to this dude. This dude's crazy. But that's what I'm saying. Too many times we just look at it as like this informational thing. And the reality is we need to have a relationship with Jesus. And that's for the skeptic and atheist in the room. That's also for those that have been Christians for the last 10 years. You need to be reminded it's not just knowing a whole lot about him. It's not just information. 
I want to remind you tonight that as we spend time in truth and in God's word, it's about intimacy with him. Knowing more of his character. Knowing him on a personal level, talking to him through prayer, which sounds weird, but that is what it's about. Intimacy, not just information. Okay, let's pause. There's a few things that we could leave here with tonight and kind of just feel guilty about. I just want to take away some legalism. I, I want to I focus on a few things really quickly as, as we wrap up here. I want you to know that God doesn't love you more or less because you did or didn't read your Bible this morning. In fact, I'd actually invite you, uh, I'd actually be willing to say that God loves the person in the room who has never read a Bible just as much as he loves the person that has read it 10 times through. God loves everyone in this room. And just a teaser for next week. Next week, we're going to talk about God's love. Vertical is going to be shorter. It's going to be sweeter. It's going to be amazing. And all we're going to talk about is that Jesus loves you because we need the reminder. Because so many times we go through the day and I fall, uh, fall into this trap regularly. And this is one of the things I want to focus on is that uh, when we read our Bibles, we, we just kind of read it so that we'll feel better about ourselves or we'll think better, more highly of ourselves, or we think that it's going to fix us. Like if I read my Bible today, then that's going to keep me from sin. Although over time it does transform and renew our hearts to keep us from sin, it's not this weird like tool that we use that just automatically gives us a get out of sin free card for the day. You can't microwave maturity. It takes time as you spend time in God's word for it to transform and renew our lives. Let's keep going. Uh, I want to talk about what we do about this if truth is the greatest treasure, what do we leave here and do? What looks different? Here's, here's what looks different. First thing I want us to do is to fight our feelings. I want us to fight our feelings. There will be days that seem fruitless. There will be times where you open up God's word and you will not feel like it. So you might not open it up. Or you'll open it up, you'll read it, and you won't feel like you got something out of it. I want you to know you must fight the feelings. It takes time. And for those that have the biggest amount of trouble just opening the Bible itself, which is me plenty of days of the week, I want you to know that discipline can often precede desire. In fact, discipline does precede de desire. Very often, discipline precedes desire. This is what I mean by that. It takes getting into God's word regularly before we understand the benefits of it. That was true in my life. I didn't understand the benefits of it. I thought it was silly. But over time, with accountability, people had to wake me up some days. Over time, my heart changed. And it truly, when I say fight feelings, I want you to know it doesn't change for me in ministry. I was once in your shoes, now I'm up here, and I just want you to know I woke up after last Monday talking about gossip, I was like, yeah, man, this, that was amazing. Now I wake up Tuesday morning and I did everything I could to not open this. Some of you may be asking the question, like, how do we read God's word? I want you to know the first thing is you just open it. That's like the first thing. But the reality was I couldn't even do that myself. It was crazy. I had this weird experience and then I was like, oh, this is even worse that I'm about to teach on it being the greatest treasure 
Twitter seemed way better. Facebook seemed way better. Everything seemed way better that morning. We have to fight the feelings, fight against the feelings. Second, I want us to know uh, in application that we need to prioritize plans. It comes in two ways, our time. I want you to know as college students, you'll never have as much time as you have right now. I actually remember being in a seat at vertical when somebody told me that, and I remember thinking, you're dumb, you don't know how busy I am. Had that actual thought. So I'm happy to relay the message to you as well, that you will never have as much time as you do right now. You don't believe it, but it's true. So our time, you'll never have more time, but also know that you tend to make time for the most important things in your lives. Some of you are like, I'm busy. I don't even like have time to date. All of a sudden you see somebody that you want to date and you're like, my schedule is free every night this week. What are you, you have something to do? You want to, I'm free. And you're like trying to pretend like you're not free, like Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday I'm free. No, you're free every day of the week if it's the, the right person, right? <laughs> you make time for the things that are a priority, right? Y'all, I lost you. That's bad, but that was off the dome. It surprised me too. <laughs> That's the reality. You make time for the most important things in your life. And, and this is just a side note. Somebody challenged me with this a while back, and it's been really helpful to me. I want you to give God your best time, not just your leftovers. Um, some of you are like, I love reading my Bible as I'm going to sleep. I'm like, hey, that's great. When I read my Bible, when I go to sleep, I go to sleep. That's what happens. It doesn't keep me up. It's not this like, you know, I don't know, drug, something. I don't know. It doesn't do that to me. Um, and it's not just like, your best time isn't just like, I'm a night person or I'm a morning person. I want you to know, um, just think about the time that you're most focused, you're most alert, or the time that is most undistracted might be the better thing for us to look for. Give God your best time. So that's timing and then plan. If you don't have a plan, that you're just going to play Bible roulette all the time. You're like, where am I going to? And you're going to end up in Malachi like I just did. And you're not going to understand it, okay? It takes time. <laughs> Anyways, that's bad. But here's the reality. What I'd encourage you to do is create a plan. Create a plan. If you don't know where to start tomorrow morning, I want you to start in Proverbs 1 and Matthew 1. I want you to read one chapter of Proverbs and one chapter of Matthew tomorrow morning. You need to have a plan. We need to prioritize our plans. It's our timing and our plans. The third thing I want us to do is destroy distractions. Prayerfully focus. No phone. Do not disturb. Focus keeps us from forgetting. It's what allows it to actually be the meditations of our hearts through the day. Don't just check the box and say, you know, I read 15 minutes. That's great. You get to lunch. You're like, what did I read this morning? I remember it being good, right? You know, it, But that's why we need to eliminate the distractions and we need to focus. And the other thing is the distraction to make the entire Bible about us. The Bible isn't about us. It's about God and himself and his character. Ask, our, ask yourself the question as you remove distractions. Say, what does this say about God's character? What does the Bible say about human beings? What does God uh, done because of this? How does this point to Jesus? And then what should our application and our be- obedience be moving forward today? So as you read Proverbs 1 and Matthew 1 tomorrow, those are some questions you might want to ask yourself. 
Those are the applications. That's how we leave here differently because of the fact that we understand that truth is our greatest treasure. I'm going to close with this story. Last week, a, a student asked to meet with me. And, uh, and I was like, of course, dude, let's hang. And so we start talking. We go back and forth. And he just wants to talk about ministry, which is a great thing. Um, I'm in ministry. And so we're talking about ministry. And he's like, well, what advice do you have for if I want to go into ministry? And I, I like to think that I was trained well. I just started saying every Bible verse I could think of that had to do with ministry. And uh, we had just talked about you know, taming the tongue last week. So I had read James. I was reminded that, you know, in James it says, don't become a teacher because you're going to be more strictly judged. So that was the first thing I told him. I was like, hey, James says, beware. You're going to be judged more strictly. And then I said, you know, Timothy talks about not having anyone look down on you because you're young. Miles crushed that sermon last semester. But then it goes on to say, keep a close watch on yourself. So I'm just saying, here's another warning, second warning. I'm just trying to warn you. This whole ministry thing. I'm giving him all this scripture. I don't know. Maybe I gave him three scriptures. I can't remember how many I gave him. It wasn't that impressive. But I just tried to give him the best that I had. And he seemed really unamused. And I was like, do you want more? I legitimately like was reading his face. And he was like, well, yeah, like what else? I'm like, okay. Um, And what I started to do was I told him a few of my experiences And he found those experiences very interesting. He was like, oh, man, those are really good. And I'm like, uh, you know, I told him, I was like, I've learned that you you have to be evangelist, not just on the stage, but everywhere you go, a few other things along those lines. And uh, I I learned all of that the hard way. Those are good experiences, but not more important necessarily than God's word, stuff like this. And so at the end of the conversation, this is just conversation 101, by the way, uh, if if you want to take notes on how to have a conversation, ask somebody, hey, what are you going to take away from this conversation? So you can help make sure that they're hearing the right things and, and you kind of have an understanding of what they heard from you. And that way they don't go say something wrong necessarily. So I asked him, what are the biggest things you're going to take away from this time? And he proceeded to tell me every experience that I had, to- that I had told him. And he didn't say any scripture. And, and that's okay. And, but I realized in that moment, I'm the same way. We tend to value experiences and our own words. Or when we're in conversation and people ask for our advice, we just give them our own experience. You're like, you just assume that experience is more valuable and more important than God's words. Again, I, I too often fall to this same trap. We value our own good advice instead of God's word itself. We're quicker in sermon time or we're quicker in all these different places to write down tweetable tidbits than we are timeless truths. You're you're quicker to write down the points than you are the actual passages that we're working through in our notes. That's our tendency as people. But what we forget is that what it says in Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 is this, that God is talking about his thoughts. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. What you need to know is, I kind of wish we were outside at the track tonight, because God is saying, I My words and my thoughts are way above yours. They're far greater than your advice. 
and your experiences. We're talking about man's word and God's word. God says in Isaiah, they're literally in different like planets. He says, the heavens, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, that is a huge distance. We need to start understanding that truth is our greatest treasure. It's a, it's a whole different ball game. This isn't like NBA versus the D League. This is like the NBA versus Pee Wee. That's the difference between our words and God's word. But that's what happens when we just view God's word as another thing and not as truth as the greatest treasure. It starts to muddy with our own words and we start to use our own words. It's far greater. God's word is the greatest treasure. It's far beyond us. It's far above us. And Jesus said in Mark 13, 31, and he said in Psalm 19 as well, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Let me just tell you, when it comes to God's word, the only thing that are going to go with souls to eternity with God the Father is God's word. You can't take anything else. The only thing that's going to endure forever other than our souls is God's word. May we view truth as our greatest treasure. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us in spite of the fact that too often we don't treat and view your truth as the greatest treasure. Father, thank you for your grace in spite of that. Father, we ask for help. We ask in this moment that you would help us to understand, to help us have a higher view, to help us understand that there is no substitute, that truth is the greatest treasure, and that time with you and time in truth can change our hearts so that we can more glorify you. Lord, help us to understand these things. Give us a higher view of your words that we may rightfully respond and spend more time with it. Father, I don't just pray that over the audience. I pray that over me as well, Lord. We, we ask that you would help us so that when we wake up tomorrow, our priorities would change. Truth would be the greatest treasure. And it may, may that be reflected in the way that we live, Lord. Father, use this time to convict us. Use this time to show us your love. Pray all this in your son Jesus' name.